Welcome to the Grace City Tampa podcast. My name is Alex Damari. Me and my wife, Brianna, are the lead pastors. Our vision is to lead people into a life-transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that today's podcast will build you up, lift your faith, and encourage you in the journey. Here's the message. Turn in your Bibles to Mark 10, verse 17. Mark is a cool chapter, a cool book of the Bible, because it's actually not written by one of the 12 disciples. John Mark was in relation with Peter, and it's believed that the second gospel, the gospel of Mark, was actually Peter's gospel, one of Jesus's right-hand disciples, the one that that Jesus said, you're the rock that I'm going to build my church upon. So you know the words of this book actually hold substantial weight for us to lean into and understand. It's the shortest of all the gospels, but I believe some of the greatest truths are found right here in the book of Mark. Are you ready for the word? This story is about the rich, young ruler who had arrived at an incredible present position according to culture, yet Jesus was calling him deeper. How many of you know in our journey in life, we're called deeper? We're called to new levels of our faith, new levels of sacrifice. Even in Galatians 2.20, the Bible says, I've been crucified with Christ. No longer I live, but Christ lives in me. So when we even get saved, we're called to new levels of sacrifice and laying ourselves down. And I believe that today is going to be one of those days where we go deeper in our faith than we've ever gone. Are you with me? Are you with me? Okay. Here we go. Verse 17. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared. You can just picture him. Teacher. All of these I have kept since I was a boy. And Jesus looks at him and loved him. He said, one thing you lack. Everybody say, one thing you lack. He said, go and sell everything you have. Oh, man. What a, what a thing for Jesus to say to this guy. One thing you lack, go and sell everything. And give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, Children, how hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? He said it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but not with God. All things 
are possible with God. The title of my message today is Living with Legacy in Mind. Living with Legacy in Mind. Let's pray over the preaching of God's word. Lord, today you see each and every one of us here. You know our hearts. I pray, Lord, that you would open up our ability to understand your word. We believe that your word is alive and active. It speaks to us. So even the scriptures of old can speak to us today in our context. Lord, I pray we'll have open ears. Lord, I pray every person in this room under the sound of my voice would have a soft heart and would have tough skin to hear the truth of the gospel today. Lord, I pray we will do something mighty. Lord, I pray we will live with legacy in mind. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Money is one of the most awkward and hardest topics to talk about in church. It's actually one of the most hard and awkward topics to talk about in friend groups too. Like you oftentimes don't sit down for a coffee with your friend and be like, first question, how much money you make? You know what I'm saying? Like that would be a really awkward friendship, right? You kind of get there even when you're dating someone. There's like this relational like barrier that you finally cross when you're finally like, okay, this is how much money I make. You know what I mean? Like, it's this moment where you bridge this gap. It's an awkward thing because it's such a private thing. So often we can tie our worth into it. So often we can tie our identity into the amount of money that we make. And a while back when we were planting the church, we had to raise an extreme amount of money to plant this house in buying creative gear and buying kids ministry gear all the things, finding places to even house all of our services. And I had to reach out to friends. I had to reach out to pastors from our past and ask them if they would donate money to start the church. And within that month, that six-month period of, of fundraising, we ended up raising $230,000 to get Grace City Tampa up off the ground. Isn't that incredible? Brianna and I were calling friends. We were doing whatever we could to do this. And Pastors often ask me when I'm coaching them and helping them with church planting or with building ministries, they go, Alex, how do you so unashamedly ask for money from people? Like, how can you just stand in that kind of faith? And I tell them, because I know what's at stake if I don't. I know what's at stake if I don't ask for the money. People's salvations, people's callings, people's addictions they're never free of. People still living in sickness. I know it's at stake. We've seen over 100 people say yes to Jesus since we started our church. The Bible says that even when one says yes to Jesus, all of heaven rejoices. I know what's at stake. 100 people are in heaven with us now because we have planted Grace City Tampa. That's something to celebrate. I said that's something to celebrate. Come on. See, money enables a greater reach of the gospel. And oftentimes we, we can't really live with money because money is this like awkward thing. It's like, ah, and, but also we can't live without it. Like money is so necessary to everything we do. But the Bible gives us scriptures that simply just go against the grain of our culture with money. See, culture tells us, hold on to your money. The Bible says, give everything to the poor. Culture tells us the more money you have, the better you'll be. The more money in retirement, the more money you store up in savings, the more money in your 401k. But the Bible says it's easier for a camel to fit through the eye of the needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. 
You never really think about money more than when you have children. Brianna and I have four kids, seven and under, and these kids require a lot of food. I tell you what, our Costco cart used to go from, we just put it up in the little seats in the, in the cart, now we fill the cart, and now we walk around with two carts. You know what I'm saying? Like these kids are bottomless pits, and they just eat and eat and eat. Like we feel it at Costco, we feel it in our grocery bill. Uh, Cece, our youngest, this year alone has gone through three sizes of shoes. Like, these are the same shoes I've been wearing for a year. Cece has gone through three different sizes of shoes. Our, our five-year-old Cove, every time I look at him, I feel like his pant legs just keep getting shorter and shorter as his legs keep growing and extending. Like, in every single way, money has everything to do with having kids. And the other day, Emerson was riding his bike around the neighborhood, and I looked at him, and he was kicking his, his chin with his knees because his bike is so small now. I'm like, how did this even happen? Like, I remember when he couldn't even sit on the seat, and now it's too big for them. And I, I made the mistake of saying, buddy, we got to buy you another bike. This is too small. So now every single day, every single store, dad, can we get me a new bike? Dad, can we go look at the bikes? He's obsessed. He wants to get a new bike, right? And what I always tell him is I go, son, it's just not in the budget. We're going to save for it. It's just not in the budget right now. We're going to budget for it. And he goes, okay, okay. I get it. I get it. And just a side note for all the parents, or maybe you're a, a new parent. We always love to blame the purchases on the budget because we want our kids to remember stewardship of money over the lack of it. Do you understand this? We want them to look back at their life and go, oh, I didn't get the bike right when I wanted it because we were stewarding our money and budgeting it well rather than, oh, we just don't have the money right now. Are you with me? But that day, Emerson dug a little bit deeper. He goes, Dad, what's in the budget? I was like, oh, here we go. Okay, son, well, first of all, the first thing we do is we give our tithes, our first 10%. We give to the house. We've never missed since we've been married. Second thing, we buy food at the grocery store for you so that you don't starve. I'm being all dramatic. Like, we don't want you to starve, son. The third thing is, like, we pay for this house so you can have a roof over your head and be warm at night and cold in the day in Florida. Hallelujah. <laughs> so on and so forth. I go down the list. His response was so funny, but he says to me, he goes, well, can we maybe not tithe this month so I can get a bike? <laughs> it's pretty smart. It's a funny response, but it makes sense. With our culture of get whatever you want when you want it, with our culture of priorities based on desires, it makes sense that Emerson would think the logic of the world and say, let's not tithe and just get what I want. Is it okay if I just take a second and preface this idea that I'm probably gonna say something that offends you? Sometimes the gospel is a little bit offensive, and that's okay. That's why I prayed in my prayer, hopefully you received it, to have tough skin and a soft heart. Because the gospel is offensive to every bit of our worldly culture that we built up in our head. But there is so much truth that could bring so much freedom. So are you ready for the freedom today? The Bible talks about tithes as being the first 10% of your income presented to God. The tithe simply means a tenth. So we're bringing our first fruits unto God, the first 10%. And your stewardship of the first 10% dictates your stewardship of 
the rest. If we look at Malachi 3, 8 through 10, and we believe that we can pull from the entire Bible because the truths of the Bible, the principles of the Bible still stay true in our life today, we can read this. Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. Because you ask, how are, you, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. This is the part that every tithes offering message, Malachi 3 verse 10, they start right here. They've, they don't want to talk about verse 8 and 9, but they start right here. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in the house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will be not room enough for you to store it. See, when we tithe first, we're setting our trust in God to provide in all the areas that don't make sense. When we wait till the end of our finances to give, it's just a tip to God. Rather than understanding our first fruits, even going back to Cain and Abel, Cain presented an offering to God that wasn't his best, it wasn't his first fruits, but Abel presented the best of his flock, the best offering he could have given to God. And the Bible talks about it with our tithe that there are two options, and this is the part that's going to be offensive, so are you ready? The Bible clearly states there's only two options with tithe. We either give it with a generous heart or we steal it with our heart of greed. We either give it with a generous heart or we steal it from God with a heart of greed. That's what we just read in Malachi 3, 8. See, we got to remember this. Everything is God's. Everything on this earth is God's. Everything belongs to him. You belong to him. Your clothes, your phone, your job, your your car, your house, everything in this world belongs to God. And he gives us the opportunity out of a heart of generosity to give back to him rather out of obligation. You might say, Alex, how can you say such crazy statements to a church 14 months in because there's too much at stake for me not to say this today. I was at men's retreat the last two days. And I saw people who were in addictions for years and years that were hidden come before all the men and stand and say, I'm done with this and I want to experience the freedom God has for me. There's too much at stake for us not to talk about what tithe dollars can do in this house. There's freedom. I saw all the men gather in groups of three weeping. People that you would never see weep otherwise crying just experiencing the presence of God, confiding in each other. That happens because of a generous church that believes in the discipleship of people. Leading people into a life transformation. Come on, there's too much at stake for us not to speak honestly about what our tithe dollars can do. And I know I've taken a rabbit trail this morning, but I truly believe that if we can capture the simple fundamental of our faith, It will position us, hear me say that, it will position us to leave a legacy for generations. And it starts with your first fruits and your tithe. See, money is never meant to be the master over us, nor something that comes between us and God. It's something that we offer as a service unto God for the work of the gospel. So the fundamentals, before we can even start to think about legacy, we have to give of our first fruits. Now, when you give of your first fruits, then you can stand on the foundation of the fundamentals, and now we can start to talk about legacy. And I tell you, our entire life, Brianna and I have not missed tithing, even from the moment that I got my first 
allowance from my parents, I would tithe every single cent, and I have not gone without my entire life. You can trust God with this. And I'm going to even take a side note today. I didn't do this the first service, but this is one of the only areas in the Bible where God says to test him in it. So give it a go. This is what I'm going to say. This is kind of crazy. I want to, I want to encourage you to try tithing 10%. And if by December 31st, if you don't experience the full blessing of God in your life, just even in, in your life, you go, if you're not aware of it and you go, yeah, this isn't it for me, you send me an email, say, I tried it, I want a refund, and we'll send you all your money back. I'm not kidding. That's like, I know that that can seem crazy, but I'm 100% that serious that I know my entire life, we've lived on one income, it doesn't make sense, four kids, a house, I have no idea how we've done it. It's the grace of God on our life. It's the faithfulness of tithing. We've seen God's faithfulness. You will see it too. You just got to trust him with that. That's the fundamentals. Now are you ready for the legacy? Somebody's ready for the legacy. So the rich young ruler runs and he kneels before Jesus saying, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? There's so much happening right here. In the Middle East, this would have been undignifying for him to run so passionately and kneel before Jesus. He's laying down his respectability. You're talking a guy of stature, a guy of wealth. He would have never done this in this culture, yet he doesn't just run. He kneels, makes a fool of himself because he wants to appeal to Jesus. And he goes, good teacher. And I really believe as he says this, he's just trying to give a piece of flattery because Jesus' response, he shuts him down. He goes, why are you calling me good teacher? This guy wouldn't have known that he's the son of God. And the only one back in those days that you would call good was God alone. That word good is derived from God. Just add another O, hello. That word good is for God alone. So Jesus goes, why would you do this? Because he's, he's recognizing the flattery that this guy is coming with. Going, I'm going to try to just get whatever I can. Like, I want eternal life. Let me lay down my life for you. This rich young ruler, he comes and he's searching for a favorable response from Jesus. I had a, a class in 11th or in 10th grade. It was my geometry class with Mr. Sherwood. And I remember I was failing this class and I was about to not be able to move on in my math. So I walk in one morning early, Mr. Sherwood, good to see you. How's the best teacher in the world? You know, going for the brown nosing thing. And then he goes like this and lays a stack of papers. And he goes, have all this back on my desk on Monday if you want to pass my class. Oh, okay, good, good, good. Flattery doesn't work, right? That's really what this rich young ruler was doing. He was attempting to bring flattery. But I really believe that flattery is thin. Flattery won't advance you towards the legacy that God has for you. So you go on in Mark 10, 19, it says this. Jesus says, you know the commandments. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud, honor your father and mother, teacher. He declared, I have kept all these things since I was a boy. I want you to see this really quick. Jesus skipped all the internal and beginning things, and he only lists the things that would be publicly seen or adhere to somebody else. Do we see this? Because the first commandment, that everybody would have stated first is number one. You shall have no other gods before me. But yet Jesus doesn't even go there because he's trying to make this guy understand. Hey, listen, listen. 
you're literally just living in the external. Like all these things that you're saying, he's making a point to everyone who's listening around going, this isn't about your external things. This is about your internal worship. It might even be okay to assume that the rich young ruler would have tithed his 10%. Because a part of the Jewish belief and faith, they would have had to bring their tithe to the storehouse to be a part and participate in the faith. So they, he has the baseline. He's doing everything externally to inherit eternal life. Following Jesus isn't a show. Can we say this? This rich young ruler made a grand display to attempt to show Jesus how much he loved God. He was undignified like David would have been. Like, look, God, look how I can worship. Look how I can lay down my life and make a fool of myself for you. Yet we have to be so cautious of this because true and honest worship happens when it's just you and God. When it's a sacrifice of worship unto him when no one else sees. Matthew 6, 1 through 4 says, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and the streets, to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their full reward. They've received it in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Do we see this today? This worship's done in secret. So as we continue in the story, Jesus looked at him and loved him. Not because the rich young ruler said, I've done all this since I was a boy. Not because he's proven that he's done the right things along the step. No, Jesus looked at him and loved him and said this statement to him. One thing you lack. Come on, sometimes we just want to receive love in the way that pleases us. We just want to give love in the way that, hey, I just want to make you feel better. So we go, this is love. But yet Jesus gave the kind of love that spurs on a reaction, spurs on action. He goes, one thing you lack. Go and sell everything that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Come on, church. Jesus loved him enough to tell him the truth. And oftentimes, we think real love and culture is just to give them what they want. But Jesus gives the truth that we need. And in verse 22, it says, At this the man's face fell, and he went away sad because he had a great wealth. See, the cost of Jesus should be sacrificial, not a public display. Sacrificial. And we can't put too much emphasis on the things of this world. Your possessions are tools for the gospel, not security for this life. Let me say it again. Your possessions are tools for the gospel, not security for this life. We're not taking anything to heaven with us. Eternal life has none of our physical belongings. Everything is a tool. Your house is a tool. Your car is a tool. Your cell phone is a tool. Your social media Oh, somebody needs to hear this today. Your social media is not for your gain. It's for God's gain. It's for the gospel advancing across the face of the earth. You might think you've got influence, but let me tell you today, that influence is just so you can make the name of Jesus famous. Come on, they're tools. I'm going to invite the band up. We've got to live with legacy in mind. And this is the part. 
This is the part that if you catch it, church, I believe you could leave such a legacy that would change generation after generation after generation. So let's finish the scripture. With man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Verse 28. Then Peter spoke up. You could just picture this moment. He, he's, wait, wait, wait. Okay, so you just said this massive statement. Give it all. So what does he, what does he say? We have left everything to follow you. The disciples who got up from the boat left their, their nets sitting on the shore side to follow Jesus. They've left everything to follow him. And this is the part. Are you ready for Legacy Church? Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel, for Jesus and the gospel, the good news, the story of Jesus, here it is, will fail to receive a hundred times as much in the present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, feel, along with persecutions, in the age to come, eternal life. And, but many of you who are first will be last, but the last will be first. Do you see it? If the rich young ruler would have said yes, I will give up my possessions. I will lay down my bank account. I will lay down my earthly possessions and sell it all to follow you, Jesus. He would have received a hundred times what he had given. That's legacy for generation upon generation upon generation. Your children's children's children will be blessed because of the sacrifice that you make. I tell you what, the gospel will move forward more than ever because of the legacy you've set forward. These disciples had laid everything down to follow Jesus. And he goes, you're going to receive a hundred times. Not just... You're not going to just get a return. The same what you put in. Come on, even in the stock market, it's like, oh my gosh, could we just get like a little bit more percentage out of this thing? A hundred times what you put in. Come on, this is so against the grain of our humanity. This is so against the grain of what's comfortable. But sometimes we got to get uncomfortable for Jesus. And the young man's face fell at the sound of this. And he walked away from leaving a legacy for Jesus. I think it's time for us all. I know my wife and I included. We stepped out bigger than we've ever stepped out. It didn't make sense. We had pants to put on our kids. And yet we stepped out and are believing because we want to leave a legacy. We want to leave a legacy. Jesus switched the question on the rich young ruler. Because the rich young ruler came before him and goes, what must I do to eter get eternal life? Like, 
Jesus, I want to check all the boxes. I want to do all the things you, you say right now. I'll do them so that I can just get the eternal life. I want my ticket. I want my ticket to heaven. Jesus switches the question. And he says, go sell all you have, give to the poor, and come and follow me. He's like, this, this isn't about, hey, you got your ticket. Everything's good. Everything's right on. It's now go and make disciples. Be my hands and feet. Follow after my example of laying down your life time and time and time again. I don't want to just leave a legacy for my children. I want to leave a legacy for your children. I want to make a difference that lasts for generations, for people to encounter the love of Jesus. Amen. So my challenge is this. For us to make some big moves. If we want to go deeper, we, if we want to make a greater impact, we have to move towards the following of Jesus and all that that holds. My challenge is to simply put ourselves in positions where you have to rely on God. The tithe is the fundamental. Today, Heart for the House is about leaving a legacy, giving it all for the sake of the gospel. Would you stand to your feet? I'm going to invite my wife, Brianna, out here. Once a year, we give above and beyond with a Heart for the House offering. Why? We believe God has called us to great things as a church. There are needs all throughout our city. There are needs in this house. There are needs all throughout the world. And a bunch of crazy people sitting in this 120-year-old club could actually make a difference across the planet. Like, think about that. Like, even $1 given today could mean meals for kids in Thailand. $1 given today could mean a fork in the no more house so that someone who has been displaced their whole life can eat like a normal human being. $1 can make all the difference in someone's life. Last service, someone came up to me in the aisle and said, they're going to be giving $45,000. That makes an extreme difference. $1 makes an extreme difference. So whatever it looks like, whatever the gift is, it, God loves a cheerful giver. You know what you can give. Like, don't overextend yourself. This isn't a time of being ridiculous. This is a time of stepping out in faith. That's what we did, and we've seen God's faithfulness all throughout this year. We gave earlier on this year for Heart for the House with our kingdom builders. And, uh, and some of you, today is the day that you're going to step out in faith. And so simply what we're going to do is there's a little card. They're kind of all over the floor right now. Would you grab one of those cards? So I think it's good to just kind of hold something in your hand. You might see them just sitting out in the aisle and stuff. It says Heart for the House. has a QR code. And the band is going to play a song. And... During that song at the beginning of it, you can just pull out your phone, pull out your camera, scan that thing, go onto the giving page, click the Heart for the House button, and that's where you can give right there. Come on, we're going to leave a legacy. We also have the giving envelopes on the backs of the seats so you can fill out an amount. So you can put cash in there. You can put um, a check in there. Make sure you write on the card, Heart for the House. All gifts are tax deductible, which is amazing. What a benefit that we have as a church. And uh, we're just expecting God to do significant things in and through 
us. Amen. Amen. So Brianna, would you pray over the gifts given? Jesus, thank you so much for this opportunity where we are able to give above and beyond. I pray that you will just give us boldness in this, God. I pray that people that are feeling stretched, I pray that they will have immense blessing because of the boldness and the gifts that they are giving right now. I pray that you will just help us to further your kingdom faster. And just thank you so much for the opportunity to bless the people in Thailand and bless the people in Tampa, even God, people in this building. I pray that you will just go above and beyond with this, God. And I pray people feel just such an urgency to give, to move your kingdom further, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. 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 Come on. The best response we can do as we're giving is just to worship God. Let's sing the goodness of God together. Thank you for listening to the Grace City Tampa podcast. Stay tuned for more weekly messages from our church.